Hello, and welcome to Scry. I am the Seer, your host into this oral obsidian mirror. It is my job to call forth stories to share to you, but I ask that you bear with me in this episode, as I have been fighting bronchitis for the past week and my throat's a little off, so please forgive me. But let's get into our first story. Our first story comes from J.J. Walters and details an experience that he had following a night with an Ouija board. This story is true. I swear. It was late Friday evening, and I'd just walked in the door after a hard afternoon shift at the local factory. I don't remember exactly where she got the idea, but as soon as I sat down on the couch, Patty pulled a game board out of a shopping bag. Want to have some fun, she said. What's that? An Ouija board. A Ouija board? Yeah, you sit across from each other and ask it questions. You hold one side of this thing, and she held up a small rectangular pointer with three legs in her hand. And I hold the other, she explained. Then you ask it a question, and it will move around the board spelling out an answer from the spirit world. Okay, let's see if it works, I said half-heartedly. She got a couple beers out of the fridge, opened them, and handed me one. She then positioned two kitchen chairs in the center of the room so we'd be facing one another with the Ouija board on our lap. Motioning for me to sit, she sat down across from me and placed her fingertips lightly on the sliding device instructing me to do the same. Patty went first. How old am I? she asked. Slowly the pointer moved to two, then to one. That's right, she said. See, I told you this thing works. She said laughing. Your turn. Ask it a question. Okay. Mr. Ouija, how old am I? Sliding. Adding. 24. That's right, I exclaimed. Patty looked at me, and we both let out a long, Ooh. Mr. Ouija, what's my mom's name? I asked. Slowly, as if having a mind of its own, the pointer moved from letter to letter, spelling out L-I-L-L-I-A-N. Lillian. Did you make it do that? I asked Patty. No. Swear to God, I just had my fingers on the thing. I never moved it. I was thinking you were. Mr. Ouija, where's my dad? Who had died a year earlier. H-E-R-E. Oh, shit. 
You think we ought to be fooling with this thing? I asked. Sure. See if you can speak to your father. We talked to my father, asking him many specific questions. We received many specific answers. At first, we were communicating with just him. But later, strangers would butt into the conversation. It was as if there was a line of spirits on the other side, waiting to talk to us. Once Colleen arrived, though, that was it. No other names would show up. Even my dad disappeared. Every answer was coming from Colleen, who had quickly taken control of the board. Patty was by this time beginning to get scared and wanted to quit. Let me ask one more question, I said, and then we'll quit, okay? Okay, she said reluctantly. Colleen, can you come to me in a dream? Y. E. S. Will you come and talk to me tonight? Y. E. S. All right, I'm finished, I said looking up from the board. I'm going to talk to Colleen in a dream. Come on, let's go to bed. Patty looked deeply into my eyes. What's the matter? You jealous? I asked, kidding her. No. I'm scared, Jim, she said quite seriously. How do you know who you're really talking to? Ah, oh, fuck, Pat. This is going to be a really cool trip. Besides, do you think anything will actually happen? I said, smiling. Come on, let's go to bed. Patty's deep breathing signaled she had finally fallen asleep. I was laying there staring at the ceiling, sorting it all out, when a quick, cool breeze blew through the window behind our bed, causing the thin curtain to blow straight out and start waving in the dark room. It stopped as suddenly as it started. Outside the window, the night was calm and still. I then saw light flashing in the half-bath across the room. It looked like it does when a car's headlights scan across your window. But we were on a dead-end street in the country. There were no cars around. I must have fallen asleep, because the next thing I remember, I was standing in a large Grecian courtyard. In the distance sat a beautiful white marble temple supported by large columns. There were also six perfectly spaced columns lined in a row between the temple and me. At the temple's entrance stood a woman dressed in a flowing white gown that rippled in the cool breeze blowing off the Mediterranean. As she stepped out of the shadows, Sunlight reflected off her long blonde hair, creating a halo effect about her head. Her radiant, expressionless face bore the exquisite beauty of a goddess. Even from that distance, 
I could clearly see her sensual gray eyes staring directly at me. Slowly, she began walking towards me from behind the columns. Her image appeared and then disappeared, only to reappear again one column closer until there were no columns left. She was now directly in front of me, smiling and seductive, coming closer still. Her eyes shone with a sexual intensity that comes upon a woman only in her most intimate moment. Her arms opened to embrace me. I opened my arms to her in expectation, but she was not stopping. She kept coming, as if her goal was to walk into me, to become a part of me. Just one more step. I was full of excitement, awaiting this new experience. Suddenly, I was awakened by my wife's frantic shaking of my leg. Patty, what the hell are you doing? I was right in the middle of a fantastic dream and you woke me up, damn it, I said in frustration. She gave me a confused look. You were kicking and thrashing and yelling no, no, no. So loud, you woke me up. Oh. I sank quietly backwards into my pillow and tried to fathom what had just taken place. I began to realize that something very strange had just happened, and I was afraid of what it might have been. The following Sunday found me for the first time walking down a church aisle towards an altar. I've never been big on religion, but logic told me that if darkness was so real, perhaps the light was also. I needed to find out. And the devil came, not with a fork and tail, ugly and fire bright, but as light and love he appeared to me in the guise of beauty in the night. J.J. Walters, thank you for sharing that story with us. I try to present all of our stories that are purported to be true on this show without an air of judgment. I do have to confess, Ouija boards are always something that I've been a bit skeptical on. About a week ago, I found an old Ouija board that I had made sitting in storage and I posted a picture of this on our Twitter page. I also posted the suggestion of maybe doing an episode of using this board and seeing what kind of response we get. Being a one-man show, I've already heard some people say, don't use it alone, and others saying, go for it. I want to know how you feel. Would you be interested in the seer using a Ouija board solo on an episode of the show? 
let us know at scrypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a message at 573-203-8668 and let us know how you feel. When we return from our break, we'll hear a story from Swift Volume. But until then, here's a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. It's time that we get into this story shared by Swept Volume, in which he experiences something around his father's property. But we'll let him tell you about it. Please understand that I'm a believer in God, our Creator. I believe a man that we call Jesus once lived, and he died, symbolically or otherwise, to wash away the sins of men. Past that point, I can say that I am not comfortable in a church, traditional or otherwise. I simply find my faith by following a different path than most people. Which leads me to this. There are religions, beliefs, or even simply different ways of life that we don't understand. They find themselves rooted in the swamps of Louisiana, the islands of the Caribbean, and in my case, the valleys and caves of the Boston Mountains of Arkansas. There are things I will talk about which relate directly to the stories at hand. Then again, there are things I won't mention which also relate to the stories at hand. You may sense that something is missing, and that's because it is. Sorry, can't help you. I wish I could tell you all some silly ghost stories with some sort of reasonable explanation or that it's just my grandpa wandering around the house or something, but I can't. Nothing about any of these stories is light-hearted. Are you sure you want me to begin? When I was 10, I went to live with my dad in his house on the Arkansas River Valley town of Dardanelle. Three and a half acres, a barn, a glass shop, a pond, a dirt road. Absolutely fantastic for a curious kid such as myself. The house was a three-bed, two-bath construction over a crawl space. I could always hear Dad coming from miles away, creaking boards and the subtle booms of bare heels on planks. It's a comforting sound, nothing strange for a kid like me. My dad stayed in one room. I stayed across the hall from him, and the room between us was used for storage. I would go in from time to time to get my pellet rifle or 22, and every time I entered the room, it would be icy cold, easily 15 or even 20 degrees cooler than the rest of the house. Phoenician blinds always open, door always closed, AC vent always shut. 
daytime or night, it's the same story. In the winter, it seemed about right. But in the summer, the difference was extremely prevalent. Aside from the physical temperature itself, there was a feeling in the room. Not dread. Not even fear. But just that sixth sense feeling that something wasn't completely right. I passed it off for the most part as getting to know my dad better and his getting to know me better was at the forefront of our minds. As we grew closer and more accustomed to each other, that nagging room began to worm its way back into the front of my brain. Two years passed before I finally asked my old man, Hey dad, that room feels awful strange. Do you think it's ghosts? <laughs> ghosts? Come on now, big man. That was the pet word he uses for me to this day. You know there aren't ghosts. It's just a quiet room. I know it can give you the heebie-jeebies, but it's just paint, wood, and glass. Well, that pretty much seemed to satiate my curiosity about the room. But not about other things. Has anyone ever gone through someone else's stuff? I know you won't answer, but I'll admit to it. I went through my dad's things when he wasn't around. Found a lot of cool stuff. Mostly his core trinkets, letters from his brother, and four certificates issued by the state. Two birth, two death, two names. My half-sisters, as it were. Turns out, I would have had two sisters older than me by about 14 years, had they not both died from what the coroner called SIDS. Roughly a year apart, and less than a year old, two children died in the house that I was living in. It turns out that knowing someone died in your house is a hell of a lot worse than thinking they did. Now, I could never get that room out of my head. I talked to my dad about what I had found, and no, he wasn't mad. He explained that some things simply didn't get talked about, and the death of his little girls was something he chose not to express. I agreed, and from then on, it was never mentioned again. Years passed, and things began to take a very strange turn. I would go outside, alone, to catch fireflies in the summer. My dad would be inside watching TV, outside watching me, or out on a date. It never mattered, really, because the feeling of being watched by someone else, something else, began welling up inside of me. Inside the house, I was calm, cool, collected. But once I set foot outside, forget it. For all I knew, the spring-heeled Jack was on the roof, waiting to pounce. I used to credit this to an overactive imagination, but now I think 
No. I know that I was being watched. And so, on the summer of my 14th birthday, I went through what I call the split. Cool to warm, light to dark, sweet to evil. But it was always outside, never inside. Sure, weird stuff happened inside, but it became my sanctuary. The outside became my hell. Oh, I'd still go out, especially with a friend. But alone, it was like a thousand piercing eyes staring straight into my soul. Whatever had become active outside had flipped the switch for the activity inside. One warm sunny day, I was inside, cleaning my room, watching TV, when all of a sudden, I heard a sharp crack from the kitchen. Like it would sound if you dropped a large marble on a piece of slate. I was curious, so I got up, went into the kitchen, and there on the tile floor, laying on its side, was a double shot glass. Above it, the door to the mini buffet hung open. The glasses of brothers and sisters standing tall on the bottom shelf, looking as innocent as they could be. Okay, okay, I can pass this off. And I did, of course. Toss a glass at the buffet, close the door, bump the buffet, glass falls over inside or leans against the door, which wasn't latched properly, and you know the rest. The ability to reason the occurrence away thrilled me. That was until it happened again. Not five minutes later. There's the same glass, sitting on the floor. This time, standing tall. That pretty much ended my fun for the day. So I took all the glasses put them way back in the back of the top shelf of the buffet, closed the door, assured the latch, and walked away. I tried to force the same explanation down my throat, but it stuck like peanut butter. The third time did it for me completely. Sitting on the pot, taking a load off if you will, I heard the crack. But this time... It was as if a gun had gone off in the kitchen. I finished my business hurriedly, run to the scene of the crime, and there, on the tile floor, having fallen from its 30-inch perch, sat the same glass, unbroken, standing straight up as a soldier might. So I said out loud, If there's something you want me to know, just tell me. Because I can't handle this. And so begins the most horrific seven years of my life. The summer of my 15th birthday, my dad and I took down the adjoining wall between my room and the creepy room. This allowed me to have a bed on one side 
and a couch, coffee table, and entertainment center on the other. It was a pretty bitchin' room if I say so myself. But there would be times I wish that I had never put my bed in that stupid, solitary room. I've got to tell you a little about my dad. He joined the Marines in 68 and got out in 72. Never went overseas, but he may or may not have helped teach a certain group of people how to take over a certain government in a certain Central American country. But that's mostly irrelevant. What I want you to understand is that this guy is like Chuck Norris. He doesn't sleep. He waits. If I were to so much as sneeze, cough funny, or get a drink of water at 3 a.m., he's up and checking on me in four seconds flat. No amount of sneaking, crawling, or stifling sneezes would keep from waking him. So, when my 500-watt surround sound stereo came on blaring rock and roll at full volume in the wee hours of the morning one day, I was absolutely sure he'd give me a severe what for in the morning. Stumbling out of bed, I hurdled my couch and coffee table, just in time to smack the power button in the middle of legs by ZZ Top. Catching my breath and taking in the sudden stillness in the pitch black room, I went back to my old habit of explaining things away. I could have set the alarm function inadvertently. The stereo could have malfunctioned. It really could have been anything at all. Turns out, the stereo coming on by itself wasn't what freaked me out. It was the fact that my old man never budged. Matter of fact, he looked at me as though I were an imposter when I apologized for the stereo incident. Never heard it, he said. Things were pretty cool after that for a bit, but my dad noticed something that I didn't at the time. I had found some old shutters in the barn, cut, glued, and whittled my way into a set of full-size window shutters. I installed one set in the entertainment half of my room. They stayed open during the day, but closed every night. I told Dad it was because the window made a glare on my TV. He seemed satisfied with my answer. A few weeks later, I installed another set in the sleeping part of my room. As I hung them, my dad asked me if something was bothering me and if there was something going on with the windows or if perhaps the moonlight was keeping me awake. Nope, I said. Just sort of like feeling enclosed. Again, that seemed to satisfy, but not before he gave me the, I don't know what you're up to, but you're up to something look. The third and final set of shutters were installed one week later. As I was putting the finishing touches on the frames, he sat me down and asked me if I were hiding from something. At that moment, I realized that that's exactly what I was doing. I was terrified. 
I had felt like someone or something was outside trying to get in. He gave me a pat on the head and said, son, don't you worry. Nothing outside could ever come in this house, no matter how bad it wanted to. And that was that. But I did learn something. Whatever was outside might not have been able to come inside, but it must have enjoyed watching me when I slept. Because putting that last shutter up had pissed it off. Swept volume. Thank you for sharing that story. And as abruptly as it ended, I hope that there is more. I want to know what it was that you pissed off. I want to know how you know it was pissed. I want to know more. Please, please reach out to us and share more of this story if there is more. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Scry. If you have a story that you would like to share, you can submit it at scrypod.com, scrypodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a message at 573-203-8668. We would love to hear from you and help us share the scare. We'd also like to ask that you leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you listen from. I'd like to thank the wonderfully talented Iran Horrors for our logo design. And if you're needing something to listen to to tide you over till our next episode, then I'd recommend Marriage is a Scream. Give them a listen. It is a fantastic podcast. And hopefully it'll tide you over until we release another episode in two weeks. But until then... It's time to close the gate, and as always, say goodbye. This is Scry.